believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. We're the Syrians. We're the, we're the Babylonians. We're still here. I know the Romans are here too, but we've outlasted those other people. We'll outlast them. Is that the truth? Because hasn't Israel outlasted all of them? Only because God promised it. We already saw in the previous chapter. Don't say we're great and better than everybody else or we're righteous. We saw that in the last chapter. You're sinners. You're wicked and you're evil. But because God loves you and he's faithful to you. So here we are as the church. And now we're the, we're the fullest of this because like, they were chosen as a nation. We're chosen as individuals. Like the Lord reveals himself to us and we respond to it. And, and God has a calling on our life. And how does one know if they're chosen? Well, did you respond? You know, when it comes to time to ask people to the prom, guys never want to ask a girl that's going to say no. You know that, right? So they put out the feelers right there like, hey, can you talk to so-and-so and see if she'd go to the prom with me? No guy wants to... No one wants to go to the prom, doesn't want to go with them, and no one wants to be rejected going to the prom. So the guy's never going to, if the guy knows on the scouting report the girl's going to say no, he's not going to ask her. You're not going to choose her to go to the prom. That's how it is. Why would God choose your neighbor who hates him to go to the prom? Why would God choose your boss who hates him to spend time in eternity with him where it's light and glorious when your boss loves the darkness and hates the light? Why would he choose him? Why would he choose you? Because you want to go to the prom with Jesus. Why would he choose you? Because you want to be where the angels are praising his name with the four living creatures. And that's why he chooses you. And that's why he's working in your life because you want to be on the team and you responded to him choosing you. So God chose Israel. He chose Abraham and he chose the son of promise, Isaac. He chose to bring the nation from him. And here they are now, a million people ready to go in and enter all their promises because he chose them. And here we are, the church, May 1st, 2021. And what does God want to do in our lives and through this church? Because he's chosen us. Because we said yes when he called to ask us if we'd go to the prom. We said yes when he said, well, you want to abide in the light, stand in light, walk in light, be in the light, where my presence is the light that's brighter than the sun. You don't need the sun. Do you want to be where the cubed city is like this, the new Jerusalem? Do you want to be where the pearly gates are? Do you want to be where the four living creatures are? And we say yes and amen, I do. That's where I want my destiny to be. And so here we are, we're his people. He's chosen us, and we're on a winning team. We're on the only team that matters, the kingdom of God. And what he's chosen us to is not to be just one nation, but an expanding kingdom of all nations. And this, of course, is the Great Commission, to preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations. This is the Great Commission, to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's who we are. And churches always die when they retract and lose their vision. But churches grow when they expand and continue to to sow and go out and take steps of faith. And that's who we are. That's what we're doing. That's what we're all about. 
That's what we want to continue to be about. Now, history shows we probably won't always be like that, but let's pour it on as long as we can. As long as we can ride the wave of what God is doing with us, with you and your life, your family of faith, you and your marriage, your, your marriage and faith, this church and faith as we're moving toward 18 years here, plus the bonus five years at Calvary Costa Mesa. Let's just keep riding the wave. I got an email from Josh Seal this week. Josh is an amazing young man. You might remember who's that young redhead kid that used to help out at WG at Big Calvary. Amazing. It was at Warriors for Christ, Fallbrook High School, when God gave us the name Worship Generation. He was the leader of that Christian club in 1999. I was there with Scott Cunningham, and the moment Scott started leading worship, over 100 kids were there, and they all started worshiping. And I thought, this is a worship generation. And God gave us the name. That was through Josh Seal. He set that up, and I was there. I'd been there the year before. There was 30 kids in, in uh, 2000, uh, 1998. There was about 30 kids at that group. And then the next year, it was 99 was 30 kids in 2000, March 2000. There was over 100 kids in that group. And I turned to Scott Cunningham. And, of course, we were both 20 years younger back then. And I said, God is doing something really special. It's a worship generation. And that's right when Scott came up and came on staff with Brian and Chuck and all of us there in that, that month of March in 2000, right after the end of the world with Y2K. Remember that one? Yeah. So as I got this email from Josh Seal, he talked about different people that influenced his life. He talked about my influence on his life and said some kind things. But I hadn't heard from him in 15 years. He had been in touch with Sarah Yardley in England, who, of course, is old worship generation as well, sets up the Creation Fest and all that stuff, who we support on a regular basis. But I was thinking, because this is what you do when you've been in ministry for a long time, and I was thinking about worship generation, which essentially is 23 years. At one time, we had, you know, Jeremy Camp at 20, Phil Wickham at 16, Jack was in kindergarten, Scott Cunningham was very young, Tim Chaddock was very young before he'd gone to do all this stuff. We saw these amazing people. Bobby Brown, who comes, he was like, I think he was, was he 19 even? I don't even know. He was so young. And there was a season where we had all the music, we had the three CDs, we did all the stuff. We went to over 400 churches in three years doing outreaches. And then God kind of, that ran its course. And then he brought us here. We've been here for 18 years. And there was a season where we had all the young kids and we did all these things and we planted this church, we planted that church and all these people went out and did these different things. We've always been globally minded, but we had the season and then, and then it just came to a place where we all got older. And thank you all you young people who stick around. Makes, makes me look good. Thank you. Uh, but that's not why I say that. It's good for the young people to be here because we always want to reach the next generation and equip them. And that's the best thing we can do. In fact, that's what we're told to do in Titus is to equip the next generation. Now we just do so much globally around the world. So my point is we've had different seasons and life is filled with different seasons. And we want to keep riding the wave of this season and just keep going and going and going. In your personal life, you have different seasons in your marriage and your singleness and with your kids and grandkids. And, and, and there are all these different seasons and, and we, we adjust. Like we adjust to what the Lord's doing. And what we can never do is be stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart particularly in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it looks really bad in the world and looks even worse in the church because stiff-necked is that sort of like, no one tells me what to do. Like, that's, it's like, what? You want, you want some of this? It's like, huh, no, I don't actually. And, and, and that never looks good on anybody. When you do that, see, there's really two illustrations, right? You got this, you can bow the knee. Or you can do this. 
And that's like what we do with the Lord every single day. And days become weeks, weeks, months, months, seasons, seasons, years, and years, decades. And we all know people who do this. You all know people who do that. What does the Lord require of us? Do not be that person. Let that be good acting, Joey, but let not that be Joey's life. Let this be good casting right here. Because this needs to be who we are. You don't need to act about the need. Let it be casting. We always say, because Hannah was an actress, and I know, know a lot of people in that industry. And like, no, that's not, that's not good acting. That's good casting. That's who they are. We want our hearts to be good casting and bowing the knee. That's you. Good casting. Don, good casting. There you go. That's Don James. Good casting. So we want. We don't want anyone over here. We want that to be good acting, but not who you are. What does the Lord require of us? That we are not stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart. That would be a hard heart. Oh, to have a hard heart, to be callous. To be hard-hearted is, the, is just the worst thing because you become, when you become hard-hearted toward the Lord, you become hard-hearted toward people. And if you become hard-hearted toward people, you become hard-hearted toward the Lord because they go together. To love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So one contributes to the other. They, they're, they're a package deal. Tender heart to the Lord, tender heart toward people. Tender heart toward people, probably a tender heart toward the Lord. Hard heart toward the Lord, hard heart toward people. Hard heart toward people, hard heart toward the Lord. Because you can't say, I love Jesus and not love people. See, when I first went into the ministry, you're like, I love God, I'm so excited. And then now love people. Well, that's a little hard. I said, I love God. I didn't say, I love people. Well, that's only half the side of the coin. There's two sides of this coin. Love God, love people. And ministry in 33 years of ministry is learning how to love people. And asking people to forgive me when they have a hard time loving me. And being willing to forgive others when they've hurt us. And I've said this many times. I'm inspired by many people in this church that I've watched forgive great evils against their life. And I am sorry that you've endured those things. And I mentioned um, Zanti's song last week about, I'm sorry, I did the post today. Some of you might have seen it. But um, the first time I heard that song, I, I, I wept right away. It's just a powerful song. I don't know why. I just, it just it made me like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just thought of like all the things that people did to me. Like, you know, when the loss of innocence when you're a kid and, you know, maybe your parents were unfaithful and, you, you know, just things that really, really hurt. There's a, there's, a, there's a point in life when you lose your innocence and it's usually something that really hurt. So in this Zante song, I'm sorry, Susan, this song has thought about all the hurt that people have done to me and all the hurt I've experienced in life. I call them my dead son in my arms, which no one did to me. It's just what the Lord allowed. But I thought of these things. But then, you know, I was, I was, I was going, this is the most powerful song. I, I, I scout songs in the middle of the night. I look for new songs. I'm like, I was just crying on the couch. I was like, this is such a powerful song. And you know what I thought? How many people I've hurt. How many people I need to say, because the song's like, I'm sorry they did this to you, but I need to sing the song, I'm sorry I did that to you. Because I hurt a lot of people before Christ and after Christ, unfortunately. And guess what? You probably have too. We need candor with the Lord so we're not stiff-necked and hard-hearted. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It goes two ways. We're so easy to think like, I believe that we're quick to ask forgiveness for our sins, but a little less quick to ask to help God help us forgive other people's sins. But we have to. And we talk about those three great equities, right? Purity, suffering, and forgiveness. 
invest. You control purity. You don't control suffering, but how you handle it molds and shape you, whether or not it's an equity in your life or a bitterness. You either get bitter or better. And the New Testament tells us to make us more like Christ. And then forgiveness. If we can just get to... If we have full dementia and almost all of our cognitive capacities, and as the brain disintegrates in various ways that happens with Alzheimer's and dementia, and affects people differently because different parts of the brains break down if you know much about this stuff, but I have learned a lot more in recent years. When there's only a little bit left, may it be filled with forgiveness. Because if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul, even in that day, that DNA of who we are should reflect grace, forgiveness, and faith. Even if you don't know who you are, even where you are. If we want Jesus in every cell of our body, and we want his gospel in every DNA of who we are, because I've been thinking, I'm, I used to think, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to be 95. Actually, the more I've been around 95, I don't think I'm ready to be 95. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. I used to admire George Mueller because he lived to be 92 and of his ministry is a great, amazing saint from Bristol, England, all back in the day. Man of faith. He made the 92. I was like, oh, it'd be great to be like 92 and wake up and pray and move mountains in prayer when you're 92. But I've been thinking, there's people that get up at 92 and they don't move mountains because they know who they are, what they're doing. But the Lord's been showing me, look, you, what does the Lord require of you today to love with your heart and your mind? And to not be stiff-necked, but to be tender-hearted. And these are things we control. So if we do the right things now, doesn't it seem like it's going to play out fine, just fine, however the journey goes? Billy Graham looked pretty good at 100. Go find the oldest clips you can of Billy Graham at 100. He's kind of shaky, but he's telling you Jesus died on the cross for your sins. <laughs> and that's a, that's a good look. So we have to be teachable. And then the last thing, when you're, so all in, totally teachable. For the Lord your God is a God of God's Lord of Lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. That's a whole study we go into right now in 2021. That's why we love him, because he never, he's the father of light. There's no shadow turning. And in verse 18, it says, he administers. So this is his administration. Oh, this is the king. It's a monarchy of the universe. This is who we bow the knee to. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, loves the stranger, gives him food and clothing. Look at that. In this verse, God gives food and clothing to the stranger. That is a beautiful verse. I might miss that with my American passport when I'm standing in line trying to show everyone I'm great. I'm really glad that the Lord allowed me to be a pro surfer and travel the world in the 80s and experience many of the things I experienced. I took adventures. I got off the plane in Mauritius for no other reason to go find a good wave that was somewhere on that island, and I met new people. I hitchhiked from Jeffreys Bay to East London back during apartheid, and my friend and I, David Barr, and I sat in the back of a truck with about eight or nine black workers who were going to do hard work all day, and we talked with them. We, 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 like, we were in the back of that truck for like two hours, going about 30 miles an hour on a highway in the middle of South Africa. Just me and David Barr with our surfboards, two white kids from Carlsbad High, class of 79 and 80, 
with these guys during apartheid, talking about surfing, talking about life. I'm so glad I had those adventures because it gave me a bigger vision for humanity. And like I said Tuesday night, I'm so glad God told me to learn Spanish for no reason. Well, it doesn't, I mean, of course, it's never for no reason. But of all the things that you could benefit, listen, let me tell you something, you've never learned a foreign language. This is what happens when you learn a foreign language. You immediately identify with the people. In learning Russian, and I continue to learn it, I, I'm understanding Slavic people groups. I'm understanding Ukraine. I'm understanding the history of Russia. I'm understanding the Russian mindset. And, and you, don't, you don't learn the language for people you don't like. That's pretty unusual to do. The, the motivation is love. So if you're learning a language, you, I learned Spanish for the motivation of love. To tell people that are Spanish-speaking primarily that God loves them and Jesus died on the cross for them. My motives were good. And plus, the Lord told me to do it. But I, I'm really glad in 2010, God said, learn Spanish. Because in doing so, I just feel a ton of love for the people that come here legally or illegally. Yes, I think they should come legally, but I understand why they do come illegally. And I would too if I had no chance in the world. I sat in the back of that truck in South Africa. Those guys had no chance for anything other than that. There's people we support in ministry. They have no chance. They cannot create an opportunity for themselves like we can in America. They just cannot. There's an orphanage in Uganda that I've been following on Instagram for a few months. Somehow they followed me probably through Ebenezer and the Ethiopian orphanage we've been a part of for years. And, you know, it's like they got like seven followers or something. And he's showing these kids, you know, and they have nothing. And he put this thing about needing school supplies. Them. So I DM'd him, direct message, like, hey, hey, you know, like, what's the... And he got back with me. And the Lord said, help him. Don't talk it, walk it. Help this guy. He's a pastor. He's taking care of 30 orphans on his own in a small town in Uganda on Lake Victoria. Do you want to be a part of this fruit or not? Okay, so it's hard to get them money, but there's always a way, right? The wise man scales the city wall. So I find a way to send this money. We sent a test run, $100. This last week with Sam. Goes through, he confirms he got it. Thank you, brother, so grateful. Encouraging words I sent to him. Okay, now let's send more than that. Let's add some a zero to that or whatever. A day later, he sends me photos of the kids eating their first full meal. And I got a big sign, thank you, Joey Baran. I mean, no, no, it's worship generation. See, I lost my prize already in eternity, but you still have yours. You still have yours. They gave me credit, but they didn't give you credit. And you're the way, it wasn't, it wasn't my money, it was WG money. Sam, I sent the picture to my family. My kids were blown away because all my kids are very much involved in these things. I sent it to Sam. He said he cried. He was teaching over at Calvary that day. I just cried. And I just remember he posted a shot the other day. The kids got mattresses, these little mattresses. I'm telling you, if you Google that city they're in, you can't just find a way to create revenue and buy mattresses and school books and food. I mean, just to, it, the opportunities we have here with that American passport, these things we have, they just don't exist in most of the world. It just doesn't work like that. So Jesus has given us a great opportunity to whom much is given, much is required. And that's why the whole world still wants to come to this country. You know, many of the people we support in missions, Calvary Costa Mesa supports in missions, when you read about what they're doing in these different countries, you'll see almost a good portion are involved with refugee relief. You notice that? Tammy, you would know that because you go through that book. I mean, the world's been moving all over the place in the last 10 years. We just sent money to Jeremy Camp's ministry, speaking louder. Why? Well, because we love Jeremy, but not just because of that, but because they're doing a new initiative in Lebanon with Syrian refugees have been displaced now for 10 years. 
What does the Lord require of you? Well, most of us are not going to get on a plane and fly to Beirut with cash. But our friend Jeremy Camp has found a way to be in Lebanon and to bless those people. And we have a saying in giving money because we like to give money. Make it easy for us to give you money. Uganda was hard, but God said, hey, get it done. But now it's in place so we can do it again. Jeremy Camp, click here. <laughs> of course, Jeremy's Jeremy. If you know him, he's, he's dialed in. And just like that, our resources are going to Lebanon to help a next generation of Syrian refugees who have lost their houses. How would you like it if someone bombed your house? How about this home group? How about our home group? What if just chaos came? And we had to flee everything we knew and go to everything we didn't know. And you think Lebanon's any safer than Syria? It used to be the most beautiful country in the world 40 years ago before the Civil War. See, to whom much is given, much is required. And so for each of us as individual believers, we would say, what does the Lord require of us? This third thing is, well, it says he loves the widow. He loves the orphan. We do tons of stuff for both. He loves the stranger. And he feeds them and clothes them. And this is the heart of Christ. This is the gospel. Because Jesus looked upon the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And I'm glad I've lived to see the year 60 in my timeline. Because I didn't see it quite this way at 58. But I see it really clear at 60. And I might see it a little clear at 61 next year if I live to see that. We need to see more clearly with the eyes of the Lord, his worldview over his universe. He's the God of gods, Lord of lords, in heaven and over the earth. And he says he administrates justice, and this is what he requires. To love the orphan, to love the widow, and to feed and clothe the stranger. We cannot harden our heart and be stiff-necked towards strangers. And this is the thing about being a friend, like Proverbs says. To have friends, one must be friendly. And Jesus is a friend. Jesus unconditionally came in all those circumstances where he loved on people, met them where they're at, and just served them and blessed them. That's the legacy of the church. That's the legacy of our hospitals, the orphanages, and all the things that the church has done for 2,000 years that are glorious. Let people attack the church however they want to from history, but make no mistake, education, uh, hospitals, scientific discoveries, by and large, have been led by men and women who love Jesus Christ and see the king over his universe. They love Jesus. And that's who we are. So what does the Lord require of us? That we love the stranger. That we have a disposition to be kind toward people. Again, my sister being homeless all those years, I learned so much about homeless people. I look to engage homeless people when I see them. Hey, hi. I was with this lady the other day with her grocery cart down there by Dog Beach and She's from South Africa. She still had her accent. I was like, oh, I've been to Durham. I was like, oh, you see it? It was great. It was a great conversation. I didn't ask her how she ended up on the streets. I just let her know that God loves her. She loved my dogs, my Cavaliers, Fitz and Lucy. See, it's not that hard. We don't have to reinvent ourselves. We just need to let Jesus work through us and be who he wants to be in and through us. We don't have to manufacture something. We just need to be who we're meant to be in the DNA of a spirit-filled life, a spirit-filled woman, a spirit-filled man. We must love the stranger. And this, where everyone in a hurry and everyone not being very friendly, 
all the more reason for the body of Christ, for us, to practically say this day, I'm going to love the stranger, and I'm going to make friends, I'm going to build bridges, and where I can, I'm going to advance the kingdom. How did the apostles change the world? They went out and loved the stranger. That's exactly what they did. And how they could help and serve, they did. They'll know we're Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we're Christians by our love, because Jesus loves the world. And he is sending us now in a time that we've never seen before to take that message out in word and action. So may God help us to have the vision for how he wants to use each one of us right here in our world, how it can be part of a bigger gospel sowing and reaping, not just through our church, but however God wants to work through you. But I'll close with the thoughts, the words that Jesus said, the fields are white for the harvest, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord would send out laborers into the harvest. It's getting harder, harder to send the money. It's getting harder to go. And that's all the more reason we got to get after it with all of our heart and all of our soul. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.